everyone, uh, our dear audience. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Codecast Zambia. My name is uh, Cynthia Mlenga, famously known on Twitter as Python Kalisi. And as usual, I have my colleague Mokuma. Mokuma, how are you? Uh, I'm okay, Cynthia. Um, I think my voice is a bit terrible today. I did a lot, an awful lot of shouting at the football field before today's recording. Safe to say coaching uh-huh. a football team isn't a thing I do quietly. I, I, I think I, I learned that lesson last night. Also very competitive. I didn't know how competitive I was until yesterday. Super competitive. I, I, I need to tone it down a bit sometimes. Oh, I mean, being competitive is good. Well, I guess maybe. Yeah, but do we need to do it everywhere? Cool. Like, uh, yeah, I think there's like, you, you need to learn when to apply it. <laughs> sometimes everything is just <laughs> all fun and games. Yeah, sometimes stuff is just all fun and games. Happy birthday, Cynthia. Happy belated birthday. Where's my present? I will send it. I will send it. No worries. I, I know exactly what I promised you. It, it better be a huge one. It big, just to make up for the delay also. Okay. All right. So today, I think the last episode, we had a wonderful discussion on, on the content um, creators. Today, we have decided to have a focus around the agile landscape in Zambia. So we're just going to basically look at what what is agile and how is it being used so far in in our landscape that is the, the Zambian landscape, and uh, we have a wonderful guest. Uh, so this guest I have had pleasure of working with twice actually, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think people who have read my article on my story, uh, he's actually been mentioned because he he was somebody who actually you know, spotted me and helped me get into the the serious software development, specifically Python. So uh, we have Silmesi from Bongo Hive. Silmesi, would you like to say hello? Greetings and salutations. It's always a pleasure. Who okay. says greetings and salutations? <laughs> yeah, it's, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, I think that's the first we've had, Nkuma. <laughs> It's the first. It's it's really the first. Maybe I, 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 I've never heard that. I think I should adopt it for this year. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. Yes. <laughs> okay. I will support you. <laughs> okay, so basically, could you just like do an introduction in terms of what you do, which company you are with, and what, what their operations are all about? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Silumesi Mawoshe. Um, uh, one of the co-founders of Bongo Hive. Um, I'm part of the Bongo Hive consult team. Uh, so we do innovation consultancy. We do software development consultancy as well. Um, yeah. Uh, I lead the technology team there. So uh, I think this this idea of um, using agile is is right in our wheelhouse. So excited to hear where the conversation will go. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a professional in agile. But um, hopefully um, we can bring some some useful insight to to what we have for the audience today. Okay, thank you very much about that. So I think in this, well, in our generation, we've heard a lot about you know being agile in, in the work environment, in your business operations. 
And I think originally most of us would hear uh, the agile methodologies being used only with uh, technology and innovation. But now I think I recently read an article that was uh, delving in delving into how agile is actually also being used in non-technical uh, fields, in just in the business setup, other than technology and innovation. Uh, so, in 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 your experience, Silomisi, what would you say the agile? First, let's start with in your own words. When you hear agile, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think that's a that's a key question to to jump off the conversation with. Um, so th there's a few ways to approach this, but maybe let me try and be direct to the, the question that you've asked in, in terms of my own words. So being agile, uh, the way I understand that is um, a lot with, to do with being adaptable. Uh, and in the software development context, this was a reaction to uh, what in the early days, well, earlier days, was a very rigid approach to developing software. Uh, the agile man um, the agile approach um, allows software development teams to be responsive and flexible and sensitive to changes that will naturally happen in a business so being able to adapt to those uh, and make sure that that somehow gets implemented in the solution that's being developed and how have you sort of used that in like at bongo hive especially with the consult team because i know you you guys build a lot of solutions and engage with several clients so it's not <laughs> just like one product it's several products yeah. you know running concurrently so how have you yeah. utilized the whole being adaptive responsive flexible bit in terms of bongo hive consult yeah, I think this is a this is a really good question as well. So, and and you're right. So we we do have multiple projects running concurrently. Um, so some of the things that we try to do as a team to be responsive to this uh, are, I guess, at several levels. Um, so over time, we've learned that um, jumping into code is not always the best approach uh, here. So uh, having deep or deeper understanding of what the problem is that the uh, client is trying to solve is key. So we jump into design, we use uh, human-centered design um, approaches, we run design sprints and things like that to um, try and get into the expert mind. So the expert here is the client. We are coming in from the outside trying to help them uh, collaborate on, co-create this uh, software solution. So the human-centered design, um, design sprints and other tools help us to see the problem from their perspective and hopefully from their client's perspective as well. Uh, so that that's that's part of it. Um, another aspect that's, I guess, useful to include in here is constant communication with the client. Um, so we have um, weekly demos, if not uh, weekly, then every two weeks. So uh, within the sprint, uh, we'll have um, at least one demo a sprint just to let the client know this is where we're at. This is how we understand it. Do you understand the same thing? And many times inside of those demos, the client will say no. Uh, so we can come back to the table and say, okay, this is, if this was, if, if we understood this wrong, um, how do you understand it so we can correct this? So every sprint is, a, is, a, is an opportunity to course correct so that we're actually building the thing um, that we are intending to build. 
Okay, uh, I've got a question just like right on that. Um, and I guess this is also leaning into the conversation that actually sparked all of this. Like doing all the different projects that you do, uh, how do you manage to coordinate all the sprints to make sure everyone that's sitting on different teams is doing the work that they're supposed to be doing? That's a as tough well one. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, as well as do the demos, uh, you, you can go ahead. Yeah, um, so we, we've definitely gotten better with this um, over time. And um, I'm actually thinking Francis would have been good to be uh, a guest on, on this particular topic as well. So Francis um, is, uh, I guess last year was our lead designer, but now he's... Um, transitioning into more of a product development role. So uh, he would be a good person to 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 reach out to for this content as well. So um, I guess to your question, there are a few things that we try to do to keep the team in sync. So one of them is that we have, uh, we align our sprints together. So rather than have a separate sprints for separate uh, projects, um, they're all in sync. So regardless of the project you're on, uh, the sprint duration is the same. So if you're, uh, we, we, num we number our sprints. So sprint one, everyone's going to be on sprint one and things like this. Um, I think that that uh, gives us a bit of sanity, so to say. Um, and then in terms of how we split the work, um, in the earlier days, we would have um, people moving flexibly from one project to another and that ended up being, it was great because it felt like there were lots of people um, working on the different projects. So in terms of numbers, that, that, was, that was useful. But in terms of focus, um, that ended up being a bit of a disadvantage because that um, context switching um, takes a bit of time. So if you're working on, and if your mind space, so to say, is, is on one project and you need to switch over, uh, that ends up being a little bit... Um, it takes a bit of time to switch over. So now we have dedicated people uh, with it on dedicated projects. So that um, helps uh, uh, helps us out as well. Uh, we have team leads on each project and their role is to be, in a sense, the um, bring oversight uh, to every, every project so that um, every project is, is its own unit. So it's uh, almost like self-contained. Um, and, and so I think that's, that helps as well. Those are uh, those are perhaps three of the things that come to mind in terms of, um, so to say, bringing sanity to what could potentially be quite a bit of chaos. Okay, yeah, that that that, that makes a lot of sense. In my previous role, um, I wasn't there very long, but um, uh, there was a lot of um, chaos, and I guess the chaos made sense uh, for that team. Lots of projects somewhere uh, really, really uh, delayed and hadn't been looked at for a while. I think we had a project that maybe hadn't been touched for over three months and was already you know, behind schedule. And it was very difficult to uh, do the kind of context switching um, uh, between projects that you're referring to. It was very difficult actually to jump from one to another and trying to get every, everything done as soon as as soon as you needed to get them done. So that's really interesting that you guys have approached it that way. And uh, it, I, I'd be very interested to know if uh, you 
at some point we'll be sharing those thoughts in form of some resources just for other people to kind of appreciate the process that happens within and see if they can pick up one or two things that they can uh, begin to learn and implement as well. So that's really interesting. Um, I'm gonna stick, take a step back and just like bring the conversation uh, back to the beginning and maybe I don't know who's gonna go between the two of you, but someone to just kind of highlight what the big differences are uh, between the agile methodology, uh, Scrum, uh, Kanban. Uh, we could even go as far as uh, lean software development if we need to, but just like a general overview of the differences and then we can uh, begin from there. Sathya, do you want to take this one? <laughs> wow, that's that's like a big question. It is. Because <laughs> <laughs> like for me to explain each and every one of them, that would be, uh, yeah, it, it, it would be quite, um, it would take a very long time. So maybe my proposal would be, since we're really looking at critically the Zambian landscape in terms of agile, uh, maybe it's it's in terms of looking at which which frameworks have we seen being implemented in the Zambian landscape or amongst the Zambian organizations or startups or firms in terms of agile. And I think from my experience, most of them have been using Scrum and Kanban. Um, that is most of them. I'm not saying that there isn't much being used in terms of um, of lean and also. Uh, uh, is that scaled Scrum? Uh, but I think the two that I've seen mostly being used is the, the Scrum framework and the Kanban one. I don't know, Silomesi, amongst your interactions with several startups that you work with, which ones have you noticed they are frequently using? Yeah, this is, I think this is um, an important question for our context. Um, and I'm, I'll, I'll try not to take it too far away from the original uh, question that Mokuma has asked. Um, but Cynthia, you ask a really good question. So my, my take is um, at a few levels. So one of them is that people are aware that... Um, Software development is difficult to do. It's 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 um, and it's hard to kind of structure. Uh, people want deadline. Uh, people want uh, people have um, very very tight deadlines. Um, they need things delivered in a predictable way. And um, I, I think lots of startups that uh, I've been interacting with are having this frustration of how do we get our and it's primarily when you need to work with teams. So how do we get our team to understand? Um, uh, that we need something delivered? Are there tools that we can use? So if there was, for example, um, just for the sake of the illustration here, if there was a tool that we could grab, um, if the tool was, was, say, a phone, if it was an operating system, if it was a piece of software that we could do, um, hopefully that would make our lives easier. But um, the methodology is, it's more in the space of communication and, a, and almost like habits, so it's not as as rigid as something physical would be. So um, I'm trying to trying to summarize a lot of thoughts that are going through my head at the same time. So it's it's um, it's a yeah. Let me see if I can summarize. So it's a broad range of um, people looking for a tool, and when they come across Scrum, there's a lot of um, 
in a sense, rules in the rule book. So they kind of grab what they think they can implement quickly and, and use that. Um, and I think that's a good approach to, to take it um, and then start to be more, um, for lack of a better phrase, strict uh, as, as, they, as they're developing their competence with it. Um, it's a roundabout answer, but I hope that gives a bit of, of insight. Makoma, have we okay. satisfied your curiosity <laughs> to some point? Not, not, not at all, not at all. You but, wanted uh, the actual we're, we're, differences we're amongst all of them. No, no, no. no. I, I think uh, contextualizing it is extremely important. And I, I, I do agree with both of you that it's important that we understand the landscape we're in and zero in on on uh, the few concepts that we're deciding to apply here. And something interesting that I picked up from what Silmesi just mentioned is how we 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 try and pick and choose what we feel like would work and try to start from there so like even with like introduction into let's say scrum for example sometimes we tend to pick and choose what we want to apply and neglect the rest and hope that everything just pulls together i think um some of the biggest challenges that i had in terms of implementing uh frameworks like these ones were always that I was the only uh, developer on the team. And even then, I didn't have, uh, we had some sort of product owner, for example, but not very involved, you know, and worse off, you are your own Scrum master as well. So it was very difficult to sort of implement some of the, um, some, some of the, uh, the guidelines that are stipulated within the framework itself. And we you always end up, you know, falling back to what, what works for you. And I'm just wondering if that's still the case in, in the landscape. I, I, I don't do a lot of software development anymore, but I do see the office like sort of pushing me towards that as well because they want to save on costs. And they're like, we have a software developer on the team. We cannot buy software when we have you. But anyway, that's besides the point. I just want to know, like, is that still the landscape where it's very difficult to implement maybe because not many people are aware of it or not many people know enough of it? And maybe, Cynthia, you would know better. Uh, would, you, would you know what the landscape is like from that sort of perspective? Yeah, also from 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 the few people or organizations that I've interacted with, I think the real issue is that firstly, they are not quite sure which which framework to even adopt, and it all comes back to them not understanding uh, much about the the frameworks. Um, just like the example you've given where you've said you are the only developer. So a, a huge misconception I have found, especially with Scrum, is that people think when in Scrum they're talking about the, the developers, it's not specifically the software developers. So a developer is anyone who's pushing in work during that sprint. So it can be... Uh, a, a business-oriented person, a financial person, or you know, or actually a software developer, or even just a designer, they are all going to be considered as developers because they are contributing to developing the product that you, are, you have at hand. So it's not really just software development. So it all comes back to there are so many misconceptions that are not cleared. And I think it's also lack of interest. Uh, most people are not really interested in finding out more to say, okay, what is the actual difference between these frameworks? How are they really set up? But in the end, the other thing is what I've noticed is some people would take up the framework 
and forget the whole essence of agile. Agile, it's about you being flexible, right? And responsive and adaptive. You'll find then in the end when they do adopt a certain framework, they forget about the agility bit and they still bring in the rigid uh, bit of it. So they'll become too rigid and they want things to just move a specific way and they forget to say these frameworks, you know, as much as they are there, they still leave room for you to, to be agile and sort of, you know, um, how can I say it, adopt it to your to your environment, because like if you look at the the twelve the twelve principles of the Agile uh, Manifesto, I think there's a there's a part that uh, that says recognizing uh, that the best no let's see this is about where you actually adapt. I'm trying to remember the exact words of it, but it's 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 really about you constantly checking what will bring true value to your setup and making sure that you still continue adapting, you still continue being flexible and you still continue being responsive. But a lot of people you find, they will adopt Scrum, but then they'll still bring a rigid aspect to it and expect everyone to just work in a certain structured way and forget that eventually as you are going on with your with whatever framework you go through, it's about learning. So you learn, you observe, then you adapt according to what you have learned so that you continue being responsive and then there's the flexibility part. So yeah, that is my, uh, that those are some of the things that I have noticed. I don't know, so messy. I think you've, you've captured the frustration, um, uh, I think, very, very adeptly. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. There is, um, so there's expectations on both sides. So, Mokoma, um, coming to your, your scenario, uh, on the one hand, there is the um, person who has the problem. Um, I won't call them the employer because it might not necessarily be an employer. Uh, depending on the scenario, and um, their problem is uh, could be so urgent that they need the solution yesterday. We, we hear this a lot in software. So the expectation is, if you have a process, then it should be predictable that in two sprints um, the solution should be should be um, should be found. What the agile uh, methodology allows us to do is to get a version of that. So we could call it the two sprint version of that solution and then hopefully over time improve that so that we can get um, the full suite of the features that they're looking for. Um, so, but at the same time, rather uh, recognizing that um, the understanding of the problem um, is uh, even more important. So um, it, it's a relationship and uh, with any relationship, um, things can be misunderstood. Um, th there can be uh, lack of clarity uh, on one side versus the other. So uh, to, to, I guess, um, at this point in my career, uh, the agile way of working uh, and, and Scrum and these tools are probably the best we have. Uh, but this is not to say that um, this is where it ends. So I like how Cynthia closed with um, this idea of we're constantly learning and the idea is to um, put the learnings back into our process so that the next time we're doing it better and better and better and so on. 
So maybe just to follow up on uh, what you just talked about, in the cases where uh, clarity is something that's uh, very difficult uh, to get a handle of, um, what would you say from your experience has been the one or the the, the few steps that you take that help uh, improve clarity and just uh, help improve ownership as you uh, go about uh, introducing uh, agility in a team? Yeah, I I really like this, um, and my team um, over the over the over the years has has gotten really really good at this. Um, so there there are a few levels. So the level that we like to to work at is the level of the client. So when a uh, when a and a qualified client for the sake of this this explanation. So when someone comes to us and, and they're looking for a solution. So say it's a startup that that comes in and they want um, they might come in and their ask would immediately be we want an app that would be um, maybe let's make it a bit more concrete. Someone comes in and says they want an Orlando app uh, or, a, or or like a, an Uber app. Uh, the problem at that point is not clear, if that makes sense. So the client, in this case, the person that needs to be transported from point A to point B is the person who would have the deepest understanding of what the pain points are. So where we, where we like to start is, have you talked to your client? Uh, and this, in this particular example, the client is the, the person that needs to be transported. Um, it could be that... Um, a, a website could work. It could be that USSD could work. It could be that SMS could work. So talking to that end person um, who, who feels the, the most pain in the problem uh, is the most ideal um, place to start. So if, it's, if we understand what that person's uh, problems are, then that opens up um, everyone else to, um, to what the real issues are. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is uh, in terms of the software development itself. So um, the Bongai team is really, really good at pushing back to say, no, this is, this is not clear to us. This is not making sense in terms of workflows and implementation and things like that. So when those things come up, then it's, uh, it's an opportunity for the team lead to seek clarity with the client, in this case, the startup, um, so that their client, um, they can get the clarity from that end. So I think there's there's multiple ways and levels to get at it. These are some of the ones that we use. Okay, that's extremely clear. And I, I, I like how you've approached it. I, I think it makes a lot of sense to be able to go back to a client and uh, let them know uh, that something isn't clear. And that, that continuous feedback also really helps in terms of building a clearer picture for both uh, both sides of the table in terms of just figuring out what the goal is and uh, working towards that goal. That's pretty interesting. Um, this, this is pretty interesting. Such a good conversation. Um, so I'm assuming, Salmesi, you mostly use Scrum, is it? Yeah, th this is a good question. So we have um, we have a variation of Scrum. Um, so I'll try and describe some of the things that we pick out, uh, which which help us, and try and give some reasons for some of the things that we left out that don't. So we use um, the. So we do two-week sprints. Uh, that cadence works well for us because um, 
one week is too short and two weeks uh, or rather three weeks would be a little bit too long uh, because of the the timelines that our 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 uh, typical clients would would come to us with. So um, we have a how do I describe this without without it sounding strange? We have a four day work week, uh, which means that we're doing client work uh, from Monday up to Thursday. Uh, we have what we call an investment day on Fridays, which means that on Fridays what we're doing is improving ourselves as a team. And that could look like, uh, for example, writing documentation. It could look like um, creating blog posts. Uh, it could um, look like um, coming together on a particular project and debugging a particular feature. Uh, so we don't have client meetings on Fridays so that we can do that, in a sense, introspection and looking inside to make sure that the team um, is, is improving. So um, if people need to do tutorials and so on, um, you can do that on company time on Fridays. Um, so we do demos on Thursdays, uh, and the demos are a place where we um, talk about talk about uh, what we have accomplished during the uh, during the sprint uh, and get feedback on that. Uh, in addition to that, because of the I guess the the schedules of our clients, uh, we we have an internal demo uh, in the morning, and then we try to have um, client facing demos in the afternoons uh, on Thursdays. So Thursdays end up being um, uh, quite busy days for us. Ideally, if we could, it would be one demo to our clients at the same time. But because we're, uh, because it's multiple teams on multiple projects, we need to split it out. So that's that's some of the reasoning there. We also have our retrospective uh, on the on the Thursday after the um, after the demo as well. Um, a slight variation. Uh, rather than having a retrospective at the complete end of the sprint, we have ours at the end, um, after every demo. Um, and this was, uh, some of the motivation for this was that um, a week, sorry, two weeks would go by and um, sometimes problems would come up which people didn't feel comfortable talking about um, at any other time. Uh, and then it would come out in the, inside of the retrospective. Uh, it, it, that would be after two weeks. And sometimes I was a little bit too late for the issue to be identified. Uh, so we have them every every week. So yeah, so we have, a, a, it's almost like a remixed version um, of Agile. Uh, for example, we don't do sprint points, um, but yeah. So what we're trying to do is get into a place where we're all on the same page and with us improving uh, our use of the tool, we're hopefully going to be able to adapt more of the structure into it. I hope that makes sense. I, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, Mukuma, you mentioned your last job, but your current job, which which are you, is it an agile team? And if it is, which approach are you using? I'll tell you what, I'll level with you. 
right now we're neither here nor there um i think we're still experimenting uh with a with a couple of approaches i know i know senior management is very heavy on uh being agile whether we practice it or not that's uh that's a different story so just to give a background um uh, so I my previous job, I joined the Greenfield. So this is basically starting all the way from scratch. I think when we started, it was a team of two, uh, my CEO and me. <laughs> so essentially, um, uh, here it was, it was, it was basically no, no, no structure, no nothing. So this is the year when we've really gotten everything working. Most of our projects we approached um, with a with a very waterfall kind of uh, model in terms of how we got them to work, especially with the interdependencies. It's only now when we're settling into our own rhythm and trying to develop a high performance culture as well. So each 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 department and each team is settling into their own rhythm in terms of how they they, they manage the teams within uh, within their departments. And I think for my team, I'm settling into. Uh, sort of like a hybrid as of now. So, like in terms of retrospectives, we we have a little retrospective that we do every every morning. It's not really a stand up, and it's not really a retrospective. It's sort of a little bit of both. Uh, and this is mostly because, as a young team, um, what I've found is that there's a lot of learning that's happening. So, like Silomesi's team, when problems come up and you only catch them after two weeks, right now we're trying to catch them every day because that's how volatile the environment is. We have a completely new system, which only three out of 17 people have had an experience with. So you tend to be fighting fires on a daily basis. So it's always nice to kind of be aware of what's happening on a daily basis and seeing how you can reprioritize and rearrange everything. But essentially it's mostly learning by experience currently and just just, just trying to figure out what's going to work specifically for us and how exactly we're going to approach it so i wouldn't say we've settled on anything just yet and i guess this conversation is also timely because this allows me some sort of insight into what other teams are doing and uh, how uh, that could affect uh, some of the um the way i'm doing things on my end i don't know if i'm very clear does, does that, that does this make sense to you guys yeah, it does make sense. We do the daily stand-ups as well. And um, what ended up happening for us is that because the stand-up was so short, um, well, I, I think this was, this was uh, earlier in our, in our evolution, the stand-ups were so short and focused um, that uh, sometimes it was um, a little bit easy for things to slide and get kicked into the next day and the next day and the next day and things like that. Um, but yeah, where I think we've gotten better over time of, um, with solving those problems day to day. So I'm glad that that's what seems, sounds like it's working for you as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know how, how much longer it will be. I think as we settle into it, uh, because uh, as we settle into the into the operation side of stuff because right now we're still very much in the setup phase so still sorting out all the teething issues here and there but i think as we settle uh then maybe i should ask this question in terms of uh self-organizing and self-managing teams uh cynthia what is the ideal uh definition of what this is according to the framework and then 
Uh, how do you think it's generally applied in terms of practicality? Sorry, come again. So I was just about to describe how I'd like to get to a point where uh, even within my team, uh, uh, individuals are really self-organizing. So I just really wanted to get an insight on what being self-organizing means, uh, first of all, according to the framework, and then also just from a practical sense. What What's practical for us in our context that you've noticed? Um, so, well... So, uh, okay, I'll use Scrum mostly because I think that's the one I've been really uh, exposed to more. Um, when it's, you, your team should eventually comprise of all the skills that are necessary for the particular project that's being worked on, or if it's, it's a team that's only working on a particular feature, right? So if it's a project where you do know you need someone who needs uh, design skills, one who needs uh, programming skills, the other maybe needs um, marketing skills, right? This is just an example. So it, it, the, firstly, your team, you should make sure it has all the skills that it needs. If it doesn't, then at least it should be, if there's a missing skill, it should be something that one of them can easily take on and all learn, right? Then self-organizing, it means there's no micromanaging. There, there isn't anyone. So like for Scrum, there's a product owner. So the product owner, some people expect the product owner to be literally micromanaging the team like over their shoulder, like do this now, do ABCD. But basically the product owner is the voice for the for the customer, right? And other shareholders, they come in, they own the backlog, they tell you, okay, according to our customer needs and the shareholders' needs, this is the feature that we need to work on first. And why this is this is so, these are the reasons and the priority we're giving it, whether we're giving it high priority or low priority. And they'll be the ones to do the backlog grooming, that is reprioritizing and making sure that all the all the items that need to be in the product backlog are there. So there's a difference between a product backlog and the sprint backlog. A product backlog has um, high level um, users. Well, I wouldn't like to say user stories because it's not all the time that we use user stories. Though some people would tell you, know, it's a must, but it's not a must. It's not a compulsory thing, right? So it's sort of high level um, items uh, to show like itemized breakdown of the features that you need to eventually work on or anything else that you need to work on for the, that particular product. But then during the sprint, there's what we call now the sprint backlog, which is now the items that you've picked out of the product backlog to be worked on during that sprint. So now the ones that are in charge of the sprint backlog, it's not the product owner per se, it is actually the developers now, the team that will actually be adding on to work with that. So when you talk about self-managing, it's now the team after they've selected during sprint planning, the items that are going into the sprint backlog, them sort of noticing, okay, I need to work on this, I need to work. If that, at that time, the product owner does not now come over your shoulder to say, are you making sure you're working on this task? Is this task done? No. It's about the motivated and talented and skilled team to actually now organize themselves to say, okay, they've given us the product backlog. We've picked one item, we've broken it down into several items that are making now our sprint backlog. Um, I've noticed mostly um, there's, there's mismanaging, mismanagement that is in the Zambian context. So audience 
don't get me wrong, it's not about like the international bit. I'm looking at the Zambian landscape here. So you find the product owner will end up really micromanaging the team. And sometimes even in job descriptions, there's one that I got where now my job description was basically really micromanaging the team. And I would constantly tell the guys to say, you know, this JD is not, it's it's not how the product owner should work. I'm I'm the voice for the customers. I'm looking at the, the user requirements and other stakeholder needs. And then I bring them on board, put them in the in the product backlog. I prioritize them. If there are any questions, any need for clarity, I offer that clarity. And I just make sure that all the work that is being put in by the developers is actually bringing true value for our users. I hope I didn't do well at some point. No, I, I think I think you're super clear. <laughs> super clear and very passionate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lubitsky, did you have any thoughts? Um, so, so on on my end, um, it um, and again, this is a local context. Some of the things that come to mind are, are education. Um, this idea that um, for for the longest, um, as Zambians, we we've been educated to to uh, to work for other people so this this idea of you you're being trained to be an employee and this self organizing um, idea that comes i think quite naturally from inside of the, the agile manifesto speaks to the kind of person who is a little bit uh, entrepreneurial so um, when we're doing our hiring uh, we look for that um, self starter entrepreneurial flair the I think those those things show out in in the character, uh, and and we tend to to lean very heavily towards hiring those kinds of people because um, you can't always be the one to tell people what to do. Uh, there's there's so much broken uh, in the space, and this could be this could be said for 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 the nation that um, uh, if you're going to if you're going to have to chase after people to do the work. Um, then, then you're already fighting a losing battle. So people who are able to identify that there's a gap there, let me uh, jump on it, say something, organize, maybe even solve the problem before my boss, quote unquote, um, uh, sees it. Uh, those are the kinds of people that, that, that you need quite naturally on an agile team, I think. But then, Salimesi, like, I've got a question specifically on this, right? And I guess this is an open question to both of you. When you step into a team, the, the hiring's already been done. You step into a team and you're asked to lead this particular team. And your team isn't exactly at that point where they're able to do the kind of thing that you're referring to, being able to identify problems and gaps and being able to act on them uh, in, in, in that manner. What, what exactly can you do Okay, sorry, not exactly, but what, what thoughts uh, do you have around getting or transforming the team into uh, thinking in that sort of mindset? I don't think we had, well, I, I personally never had the opportunity to just fire everybody and be like, I'll, I'll just hire the team I want. That's, that, that hasn't been possible. How do you work with what you have? Yeah, this is this is this is a, a a deep and I think profound question. Sometimes you're given what you're given. So so what do you what do you do uh, with that? There is um, so uh, the the view I like to take is um, 
let's call let's call it the the, the long the long view. So you're, you're playing the long game. Your team might not be where they need to be right here, right now, in this moment. But what are some habits that you can start to implement, which would get them there, uh, so to say? Lukonga um, and Simons have been awesome at, at this. So um, in the in the very early days of of, of Bongo Hive, um, uh, Lukonga would would he, he has a very good way of asking questions. So um, interrogating, not to not to be condescending, but to challenge the way people think. And I think that's that's powerful. So it could be that your team doesn't see the value. Um, it could be that they're not recognizing that they can bring something to the table uh, as, as part of a solution. Uh, it could be that that uh, they're expecting things to work um, a certain way, that things should be handed down, uh, and then they're only dealing with what's on their plate. So um, some practical things that you could start to do are um, asking open-ended questions, doing brainstormings together, uh, hearing their parts of solutions um, inside of a problem. So you might have an insight, uh, you might have a way to approach it, but you ask the, the team for their input and you implement um, their solution uh, to give them that sense of, of ownership and things like that. So uh, this, this is more in, in, inside of like management, leadership, behavioral um, aspects of, of, of the team. But I think this is really, really, relevant to the discussion. Cynthia, I'd be curious to hear what you think as well. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it's, it's actually really hard to, I, I won't lie, changing one's um, mindset. But one of the things that I, I have noticed is, what you firstly, you have to make them understand the benefits of of switching right from from the usual way of um, how the bureaucratic hierarchy sort of arrangement right then so you have to first explain to the team that you're inheriting you're inheriting this team so you have to um, be first humble and respectable because you have they have to feel respected as your team members firstly. And don't come off as, you know, I'm the expert here. And in as much as you might be the expert, go in with the humble uh, uh, way of thinking and then highlight the benefits that they will actually see in, in having an agile mindset. But the other thing that I have noticed is also transparency. Be as transparent as possible. And some of the other things that... Um, hinder agile is not uh, setting very clear goals because you find someone is not even very certain on what they are they are working towards like they, they don't know what the goals are right so it's quite difficult for them then to to learn from any mistakes they are making to to then reflect and adapt and then go back uh, and um sorry, and then sort of build on their agile mindset. But the other thing that you can do to achieve it is also make sure that you emphasize the focus on the customer bit as well. And also, once in a while, like Sibimesi said, do a lot of brainstorming, things that will bring in, uh, uh, that will allow you as a team to practice critical thinking. That is, um, 
Yeah, and the other bit that I've noticed that helps is when, when you sort of, uh, that is you include the team as you're doing this. Find uh, proper ways uh, or structures that will help you communicate more effectively and also collaborate more effectively. I really like that. I'll jump in quickly and, and uh, uh, share an example that we do at Bongo Hive. So, um, the so the sprints that we run, we have a sprint guardian every every sprint, and um, I didn't realize the impact of of, of the change um, until many many months after we had done it. So initially, it was going to be one person entire in, in charge of the uh, sprint planning. Um, across every sprint that we did. We made a slight adjustment to that and gave everyone on the team, so we have a, 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 a rotation, so we've got a calendar, um, and then everyone on the team gets to be the sprint guardian uh, at some point during the year. I didn't realize what that did for the confidence of, uh, for example, even interns. So interns would come onto the team. Um, they have, they obviously, because they're interns, they, they obviously have more senior people on the team um, uh, already existing, but the fact that they get to lead uh, for two weeks uh, did wonders for their confidence. And um, so small things like that, where you give people ownership, leadership, um, even over their superiors. Uh, and this is, um, I'm using superiors in quotes here, because um, what we try to do at Bombay is um, deliberately as much as possible build an as flat as possible team uh, uh, that we can. So small things like that um, might be practical. Uh, thanks, uh, Cynthia, for that. I, I, I think there are some really profound thoughts in there. I, I definitely agree that there's some seriously profound thoughts in that, and there's a lot to pick up on as well. Um, I think what's 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 what definitely needs to be mentioned is that it's a journey, and uh, looking at how you only see some of the the benefits sometime later also just uh, is testimony to the fact that you need to have a lot of patience as well, uh, patience with yourself and being patient with your team, uh, and uh, just uh, have ways in which you monitor and look at results. I guess. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so like coming back to, um, I, I, and this one is really on you, Silvesi, and so I got to put you under pressure there for a little bit. I just really wanted you to share some insights in terms of what you learned from, um, the, the base camp approach in terms of, um, looking at it as a case study, uh, how they approached it and the, the, the way that approach works for them. Are there any insights you'd like to share from that specifically? Yes, um, I have I have a few. So let's let's try and put things in in context. So we'll start from the the waterfall model, um, and I guess in twenty twenty two it's it's very easy to trash the waterfall model um, because um, in a sense uh, we're coming out of a culture where um, historically we've seen that not work. But I think there's a time and a place uh, for 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 waterfall. Um, what I'm in a sense, where 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 I come out, where I come at these models from, is the perspective of um, software is difficult to do um, in terms of um, the design, the actual implementation, um, architecture, and things like that. So, what are some things that we can start to do um, which bring some level of sanity to 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 all of this? 
inside of the shape up approach. Uh, this is by by Basecamp. Um, what I like that they've done is that they have put um, they put the unpredictability and the risk of uh, the risk versus reward uh, of an approach uh, front and center. So they talk about placing bets, for example. Uh, and what they what they communicate with that, I find, is that we're going to go down this path. We don't absolutely know for certain that it's going to end up at the place that we want it to, but we're going to go down down that this this way anyway. And the we we're, we're kind of making an assessment, uh, like a, a an estimated sorry, uh, an educated guess on the value that messing this up would um would 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 do for us so they time bind that that path that they're going to go down uh and they they do this risk reward um uh take on it uh, this this idea of a bet uh that they're doing so i really i really like that uh, unfortunately if you're going to present that to a typical client uh, i think that risk um language is um I, I could I could see how how um, a typical client, say if it was a bank, say um, in the in the local context, could look at that and say, "No, you guys are, are playing with our money," kind of a thing. So it might not translate necessarily in terms of the words that Basecamp uh, um, uh, uses in the framework, but um, I, I, I like that they are putting that front and center. So that's one of the takeaways that I had. Um, I'm not sure if if anything jumped out for you uh, as you're working through it. Uh, well, I'm still in the early stages of the the the, uh, the material, but one thing that uh, did jump up to me was uh, around the aspect of the bets as well, and also maybe just looking at how everything is just like a fixed time period. Whatever it is has to fit within a specific yes. time period, yeah. and we don't do it unless unless it works and mm -hmm. conforms conforms to this yeah and I, I i feel like that's an approach uh well depending on how um you know the book goes i could i could pick up one or two things because i do have one team which i i think i specifically feel such kind of approach would work internally just being able to uh being able to uh define like a period in which we're supposed to make sure we ship a product that works or a feature that works and then roll it out to our customers and then they can they can then enjoy it so mm -hmm. i'm still looking through it and i'm i'm pretty thankful that i stumbled across it so thanks a lot for this particular resource so it was very interesting to hear your thoughts on it my pleasure my pleasure I, and i and um maybe let me um uh hit at the, the Agile Manifesto itself. So the story behind it was that, um, I think it was 12 gentlemen um, decided to look at this, was it 17 gentlemen decided to look at this problem and say, this is the state of things and what can we do to fix it? And I think it took um, like, a, like a resort kind of arrangement. They go away for three days and then out comes the Agile Manifesto. And I think for our local context, there's nothing really stopping us as, as Zambian software developers from doing something similar to that works for our context. So I'm really glad that um, you reached out to, to engage the discussion. Um, excited to see where this could possibly go um, uh, in terms of improvements and how we adapt it, how we share the, um, 
knowledge and understanding of of the benefits and maybe uh, some of the challenges with implementing this as a strategy. So yeah, I really appreciate uh, you reaching out. Not a problem. Uh, always a pleasure. I guess in closing, um, maybe I could just get your thoughts around um, uh, what the potential is currently, especially for this year, and also um, also just looking at uh, the Agile community. I think that's uh, springing up currently. I think I've seen an invite to um, uh, sort of like a discussion around uh, building a community like that within the country. What's your thoughts around that? Yeah. Um, so my my thinking is uh, still to be uh, problem centered. Um, I like the direction that um, people are taking with organizing around um, agile as a tool. Um, and th this idea of gaining community, especially um, in, in a time when, when um, physical meeting is not uh, as, as easy, I think a lot more people will be able to gain access to this knowledge um, because we'll be meeting, meeting virtually. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about that. Um, where it would be interesting for us to dig deeper is, again, this problem-centered approach. So um, are there ways that we can get more people to actually do Agile? so that they can gain, gain first-hand experience of the problems uh, so that we can start to um, build solutions around that. That, that for me, would be super ex exciting if we can explore some of that this year. Uh, great. Well, Cynthia? I actually like how Sebamese has emphasized to say do Agile. So <laughs> it's not... Uh, uh, I think what that just reminds me is eventually when we're talking about an agile team, we're not talking about just implementing the, the frameworks or the tools that it comes with, but we're talking about also changing the mindset. So you might put in the tools, you might put all the frameworks in place, but are your, are your team members actually switching to an agile mindset? So it's about being agile and doing agile so it's a combination uh, and I hope I, with, with the step that um, uh, Pendo and the team has started with the agile group I hope that would be something that will also uh, be um, a, a key result of it that is seeing our you know our professionals out there switching to uh, being agile and doing agile Yeah, and I, I really think it starts from conversations also and just uh, being able to give people some of the resources that they need. I know everything is available on the internet, but it doesn't help to provide that extra push uh, through resources. I think, uh, well, in, in our community, Cynthia, we know how much hard work it is to uh, not only provide resources, but also provide that push for people to uh, to begin to see the value and to begin to practice a lot of the things that we feel uh, would be able to help them uh, take that extra step and take that extra uh, leap in 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 their careers. And it's it's really important. And I I, I think I'll support the work they're doing in whatever way that I can. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the best coming out of it. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Um, okay. Uh, you want to close, Cynthia? Yeah, 
<laughs> okay, so <laughs> we've been very serious during this talk, which I mean, it, it was fascinating. So, uh, Drew, we're about <laughs> to close, and I would like to close it on on uh, on a less serious note. <laughs> uh, in closing, Sibumesi, I would like you to to, to you know to 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 just say. Uh, which one is your favorite cartoon and why? And, then, uh, <laughs> and how does it teach you at least one principle of Agile? <laughs> hey, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I hope you're not going to ask me that question also. <laughs> well, Mokoma, it's everybody. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So um, I, I'm not embarrassed to say I, I, I watch a lot of cartoons. I watch a lot of cartoons. Too much for, too much for um, perhaps for my own good. Um, for the example, I think I'll, I'll choose uh, SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, so I like how, um, like SpongeBob's positivity. He's probably one of the the hardest working. I'll call him a person. Is the hardest working person I know. Um, or, or, or rather I watch and um, just his resilience with facing problems. If, if SpongeBob was a software developer on our team, I think he would have, uh, he would bring a lot of value uh, to it. So that being able to be um, problem focused, but then at the same time thinking positively about a solution, I think, um, yeah. So that attitude um, that SpongeBob has uh, can go a long way. Yeah. That's a really good question. <laughs> I was really hoping Zulumesi would continue talking and uh, Cynthia would forget and, uh, and realize we're running out of time. Uh, it's a, it's a very interesting question, and it really forces you to <laughs> think think a lo think a lot more about some of the content that we push in. I'm really a big fan of anime. Uh, I still watch a lot of anime. And um, to be honest, I really only have one anime to fall back on, and that's One Piece. You know, the, the main character's name is Luffy, and um, there's something about his resilience and his drive uh, when he picks up a new habit or picks up a new uh, way of doing things. He won't stop until he's done whatever he can to uh to implement it and work and drag everybody else into it and change their mindset and one thing that stands out for me is his approach at changing people's mindset is not to convince them through words is to convince them through actions so they look at him as a person and how he applies himself to the work that he does and they follow suit in that regard so i i find that pretty interesting when we look at it from um, the, the topic that we're discussing today that's deep that's really deep. I'll, 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 I'll jump in with one more before Cynthia goes. So yeah. Simon and I like this, this illustration. So we like um, okay. the Voltron illustration where um, each of the lions in their own right is awesome. But then when you put them together. That is what I wanted to say. <laughs> it was Sorry. Voltron. Oh my. Go ahead, Cynthia. Go ahead. Cynthia, now you have to pick a new one. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'll pick another one. Continue with the Voltron. <laughs> no, no. So each each of the lions in their own right um is awesome, but when you put them together, they are like super, super amazing. But Cynthia, you get you can take it as well. It's okay. It's not like I have the patent on Voltron. 
So, like, you know, he he had a bag, which it was a tiny bag, right? But the amazing bit is when he assesses the situation, uh, he, he, he tries to, you know, reflect on which possible uh, tool he needs. Then, you know, he pops it out of the, the bag. For me, I think it's about ad- adopting and also just observing your environment and learning from it. Because whatever predicament he would find himself in, right, he would sort of analyze a face and then find the right tool to, to remove from the bag and then utilize it. And voila, spot that you would have, you know, made the day successful. That is awesome. <laughs> I really like that one. Thanks. <laughs> That's pretty cool, Cynthia. See? You had so many tricks. <laughs> well, at least I didn't go to Bob Moran. <laughs> Wouldn't have been a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this wonderful episode. I hope you've gotten some insights into the agile landscape that is this time around while looking at it specifically in the Zambian context. And um, our fellow Zambians, I hope, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see more of uh, agile teams in organizations and uh, more agile mindsets and uh, looking forward to the, this new year and the chapter for the agile group. And we see uh, the amazing work that will come out of it. And uh, Makuma, would you like to do the social media, you know, Sure, sure. I'll go right ahead. Uh, so if you're looking for us, uh, we are at CodeCastZM everywhere. That's Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're at Coastcast Zambia on LinkedIn, Coastcast Zambia on Facebook. So if you have any feedback for us, which we always appreciate, please feel free to uh, DM us. If you have any ideas for any shows you'd like to do, or you have an amazing person you think we can interview, even if that person is yourself, feel free to hit us up and we can work something out. Uh, so I'm Sourbones on Twitter. Uh, Cynthia is Python Kalisi. And Silumesi is at Silumesi, right? Did I get that correct? That's the one. Yep, that's the one. Silumesi with two eyes the at one. the end. Silumesi has two eyes. Silumesi with two eyes. Yeah. So like if you want to reach out to our guest, uh, feel free to DM him. He's such a helpful person um, and he's always ready to respond if he has the time. So feel free to ask any questions around uh, what we spoke about today and many other things. Yeah, so greetings we'll and salutations. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great way to end the episode, everybody. Have a, have a great month.